Jace Medical. You go online, you fill out a form, and then you get a prescription. Life-saving medications delivered right to your door. The Jace case gives you peace of mind that you're not just hoping you have access to some antibiotics in an emergency. Jace Medical Make sure that you have the right medication in hand. Dr. Sean Rowland, the founder of Jace Medical, recently down in La Haya, um, deploying with an aerial recovery group in an effort to help the Maui residents who were victims of the fires. Why? Because he carries the mission of Jace Medical into his personal life as well. This is very personal, and I'll tell you someday, uh, someday why, but it's very personal to these people. Um, They're building a parallel economy comprised of businesses just like Jace that are doing real good in the world while providing you with goods and services at a great price. Check them out today. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional discount by using my promo code BECK at checkout. Go to jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. jacemedical.com. to hear is the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Back last December, we were talking about cutting the woke federal spending from the budget. And everybody had a plan. Oh, you know, we raised the debt ceiling. We got a plan. We're going we're gonna to start working on it right now. And we're going to pass all... N- nothing, none of that happened. None of that happened. Why? Why didn't any of that happen? What? What is wrong with the GOP? Now House members who actually think like you and me are standing up and saying, no, we're not going to pass this woke budget anymore. We're not playing this game. We're not passing all of this money to Ukraine where we're now paying. We just found out... We're now paying for 57,000 firemen to continue their jobs. We're, we're paying for their small businesses to remain open. We're paying their equivalent of social security. We're paying many of their politicians and many of their uh, people in, in the government. <coughs> Why? Why, really? And how much is enough? All of that leads to inflation in your life. When will America come first with this administration? When? We're going to talk to a guy who has some answers uh, for us. His name is uh, Russ Vogt. Russell Vogt is uh, at the um, uh, Center for Renewing America. He's the president of it. But he also was the director of the Office of Management and Budget, the OMB. That's the person whose job it is, if there's a government shutdown, to make things work. We're going to talk to him about the possibility of a shutdown. I personally say good. We'll talk to him in 60 seconds. Shooting guns is a lot of fun, but 
you know, you try telling that to your California friends and they'll, how dare you say it? But it's also a serious and important responsibility of being a gun owner. You need to be proficient with firearms. And that requires a lot of practice. It's a perishable skill. But ammunition prices are through the roof. And who has time to go to the gun range on a regular basis? This is why you need to get Mantis X. It's a high-tech, easy-to-use system that is widely used by the military now and helps you improve your shooting quickly. You attach it to your firearm and connect it with an app on your smartphone or your, uh, your tablet via Bluetooth. Then, whether you're firing actual rounds or just dry fire practicing, it gives you instant feedback on what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong, and how to improve and correct your technique. 94% of the shooters improve within 20 minutes using Mantis X. I'm one of them. It is like having a world-class firearms instructor right next to you, and it's going to save you a ton of money. So start improving today. Get yours now at MantisX.com. That's MantisX.com. Russell Vogt, welcome to the program, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Glenn. So you were on, I think, even a year ago, and we were talking about, you know, what they need to do. And the people in the house were talking, that's what we're going to do. And they never did any of it. And now here we are at the last hour again, trying to scramble and figure out what are we going to do so we don't have another CR. Exactly. I mean, this year started with so much promise and opportunity to have a real debate about woke and weaponized defunding of the bureaucracy. And Kevin McCarthy basically threw that out the window of the negotiating table when he decided he was going to be in coalition with Hakeem Jeffries. Mm. And then he used as an excuse, he said, oh, we'll do it during the appropriations process. None of us believed it at the time, but that was his argument. And now, lo and behold, by the way, he moved none of the uh, or one of the appropriations out of the many appropriations bills and intentionally created a a pile up at the end of the fiscal year to jam conservatives. And now conservatives are saying, we're not doing that. We're going to insist on doing appropriations bills, and then we're going to insist on policy riders to defund the weaponized portions of the federal government under the banner of no security funding. And that would apply to border security, energy security, ensuring the rule of law, the Department of Justice, And that's going to be an important debate as we head towards this leverage point at the end of this week with regard to the lapse of the annual fiscal year. Could you explain for the average person that may not know what a CR is and not know that how a how our Constitution says we're supposed to work as a country? Sure. In the in the jargon of of budget speak. A continuing resolution basically says we're just going to continue you at last year's funding level, and we may make a few changes on top of it. But it ends up being a very small bill because you're extending all of, in this case, Biden uh, federal government spending, which is is militant. It's not just big. It's it's aimed at us. So that's why it's so harmful. The the way it's supposed to work is that you have an annual uh, debate on the Department of Agriculture, the EPA, the Department of Defense. And we've gotten out of the business of of having that debate on the House floor. And what ends up happening is that the is it's all crafted behind closed doors. 
it, and it's just a, they put them all together. You'll, you'll hear another word called the omnibus bill. That's bad too. They'll put it together and then they'll attempt to just jam it through in the night of day and in, in the, at the, at the, at late at night and expect members to not have read it. And what these members are saying is we're done. It's not, we're not doing that process anymore, but it's more than just a process. It's about, to your point earlier, using this leverage point to actually save the country because this is the last leverage point that we have heading into next year because of the, some of the other decisions that Kevin McCarthy has made. And what are those decisions that he's made? He extended the debt limit to the, to the new administration. And so when you take essentially one of your few leverage points and, and push that past into 2025, now you're left only with funding leverage. And in, in Congress, there are very few must-pass bills. We call them must-pass bills. That the car, it forces the cartel to act. And the cartel hates these because they then have to stop governing behind closed doors at agencies where they legislate apart from Constitution, of, apart from the Congress. They have to come in to Congress and get these things passed. And we only have about two or three of them. This is one of the, the, the last impactful one to be, be able to defund the woke and weaponized bureaucracy. So tell me when this changed. It was 2008. And why did they do a continuing resolution in 2008? Yeah, I mean, it, this, has been, this has been a problem that is growing for years uh, each year is a little differently based on the interest of, of, of what's going on in play. Sometimes uh, a continuing resolution is, is better than an omnibus, but still bad. And so it's hard to say what was going on. But all of it is, is a natural progression of the cartel year in, year out to basically avoid the House floor, avoid debate amendments and doing real budgets and to push it behind closed doors in, in, in that fashion and to make it so that it's very, very painful and stark. So we just found out from 60 Minutes uh, this last weekend that we are now paying for every firefighter in uh, Ukraine. You know, we're, we're paying for their equivalent of Social Security, many of their um, agencies we're paying for, um, but we're also paying for their small businesses and bailing out all of their small businesses. All of that causes inflation to an incredible degree here in America. How do who knew about this? Well, I think we've had suspicions about what has been all of these taxpayer dollars been used in Ukraine. We're now hearing more and more reporting of it. But this is the fundamental problem when you are cutting these enormous checks for Ukraine and you're putting yourself in a position that the country will will help escalate a war in Europe at the expense of our taxpayers and our consumers here in this country. And then you find out it's not just for, for weapons that are going to be hard for us to replace in our own stockpile, but it is for the basically the funding of their domestic economy. And it's totally outrageous. And it's one of the reasons why I think we're going to have a big fight this week on whether Kevin McCarthy has to stick by his, his, his commitment to strip out all the Ukraine funding. I think that'll be one of the, the points of drama that we look to this week. And I'm thankful that some of this reporting has come out because this is, you know, the country is increasingly outraged by our 
our, our spigot with regard to funding Ukraine. And it puts them in a situation where it's not unlike the Fed, right? When the Fed has low interest rates for far too long, people make bad investment decisions and you have a, a bubble. This is like the foreign policy version of it. When, when we don't force them to make their own determinations by their own resources, they have an overextension of, of what they feel they can get away with and they don't make good decisions. And so it doesn't help them and it certainly doesn't help us. So you put out seven points on the things that you think should transpire um, since they, they don't have the, uh, the votes for a CR, right? So we Correct. know that they can't do a continuing resolution um, and that could open us up to a government shutdown. Do you have any idea of uh, how solidified the uh, Republicans are on this this uh, showdown with the left? The House conservatives are very solidified. And as a result, because of the slim majority, we're going to have a shutdown. I, I'm, I'm convinced of it. Uh, there are certainly a huge portions of the majority, the House Republicans, that want to avoid that at all costs. And most of the Senate, the Senate will be cr- criticizing anything that the House does that is at all righteous. And so uh, I do think there'll be a shutdown. I do think that the House conservatives have the ability this time because McCarthy's political capital is so depleted from the from the previous debt deal that they will be able to force this fight. And the question will be at that point execution uh, and being able to hold strong, hold the line and be able to really, you know, message to the American people what this debate is about. And really, I think it's about this. Do they feel secure? on the host of issues facing them from this government. And I I think that answer will be a resounding no. And I think that's an opportunity to win uh, a debate like this with, with and manage the political risk that comes from it. But I always think the political risk is overblown, quite frankly, from a shutdown. When Republicans and conservatives fight, the the voters reward them in the next election. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think we will see that in this case as well. So tell me this job, then if we, if we shut down the government, it, I mean, we can pay our bills. We, we're not going to default. All of these all of these things that they've been saying for so long that are just untrue. Uh, but it is your former job, right? The office of OMB to make the money that we do have work and keep critical things open. Is that right? That is right. And you you're hitting on the main thing, which is that, you know, Social Security checks go out. Medicare payments occur. Uh, people, you know, the, the Department of Defense just doesn't all of a sudden, you know, go home. Uh, all of these things in terms of what we think of the federal government being open is, is, is in play. What is not in play are things like the regulatory agenda of the Biden administration at the EPA. Those people have to go home and, and not work. So one of the, the tasks of, of OMB is to, is to make sure that things stay open, that are vital to the security of, of property and the, the American people, uh, life and, and, and things of that nature. And so that was one of the things we did. And we, we set a high bar. We said, you know, we're going to make this as painless as possible for the American people consistent with the law. And we did that. And I think it's going to be hard for them to play the games that they previously did of trying to shut down the, the, the memorials and national parks when they don't have to, 
um, and get away with it. And I, I think we will be holding them accountable as much as we possibly can. Yeah, well, um, I think people have a very, very short memory, um, especially when there was no pain uh, when you did it. There was no real pain. Um, and they are, why aren't they using the we're going to default uh, argument this time? Well, the default argument is largely one with regard to the debt limit. So when you're a funding situation, uh, now you're, you know, the framing of the attack changes to one about here's here's ex-government services and it's no longer available to you. Uh, your, your life will shut down. Uh, I think it's going to be harder also for them to make that argument. We're in the aftermath of COVID. I mean, they shut the economy down for for right. for you know weeks. And so. Uh, you know, people have lived through that. So, you know, the loss of 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 some, you know, timely grant is not going to be uh, uh, rise to the same level that that it once did, in my view. OK, um, I'm going to break for one minute. And Russ, if you wouldn't mind, um, hang on and tell us what the Republicans should be going for, what we should be aiming for at the end of this. We'll come back in just a second. Uh, Let me first tell you about Relief Factor. Uh, Are you living with pain? If so, how bad is it? How frequent is it? Is it the sort of thing that not only annoys you, but in fact interferes with the way you live your life? Do you ever make decisions based on whether or not you're going to uh, have a flare-up or you're going to feel awful the next morning? Now, here are the most important questions. How long are you going to put up with it? And have you tried everything to get rid of it? If your answer to the last question doesn't include relief factor, may I suggest you give it a try? When I was in horrible pain, I did. Uh, My wife made me do it. And I got my life back. To my shock, I got my life back. Three-week quick start. Now 1995. It's a trial pack, not a drug. It was developed by doctors. And a million people have bought Relief Factor's quick start. And about 70% of them go on to order more. So go to relieffactor.com or call 800, the number 4 relief. 1995 three-week quick start. Again, relieffactor.com, 800, the number 4 relief. Relief Factor. Feel the difference. 10 seconds. Station ID. Okay, so uh, we're talking to uh, Russell Vogt. He is uh, the um, president of the Center for Renewing America. He's also the former Office of Management and Budget, the former director of, uh, of that. So what should they be aiming for, and what do you think they could get if they stand firm? So what we've called on them to do is to ensure that, you know, that we crush the woke and weaponized bureaucracy with a major cut to non-defense spending and bringing it back to pre-COVID levels, which would be about a 20% cut. Uh, and obviously, we, you and I could do much more cutting in a long weekend. But in terms of really sending a massive signal uh, to the bureaucracy, it would be about a 20% cut. And that's what they should be doing. And I would, I would put on top of it some very clear parameters. We call it fencing in the money. Uh, none of the funds can be used for disinformation uh, campaigns that are used against conservatives. None of the funds can be used by the FBI to target conservatives or any really anyone from the standpoint of just living their life um, and trying to express their viewpoints under the First Amendment. So that's the type of things that we would be aiming for and we're encouraging them to do is to say, when you fund this stuff, you are funding your 
this federal government to be aimed at you. And that's that honestly, that is something that is a penny that has finally dropped with the with much of these this this Congress to understand, like, let's stop focusing on the spending that's on autopilot when you at the exclusion of the stuff that you vote on every year in budget language, we call it discretionary spending. And that's the, the federal government we interact with on a daily basis. That needs to be defunded. And we need to be having a debate about the fact that we are funding gay pride activists in Senegal, gay pride events in Prague, that we're funding the NASA space camp in Pakistan. These are, these are totally winnable debates on each and every day if they choose to have them and explain to them the, what the, their tax dollars are going to be able to be funded with. Uh, it, it is shocking to me that they are willing to let the government shut down over a fight of 20% cuts and not 20% cuts uh, to bring us back to 2010, but just to bring us back to the outrageous spending levels that we had before COVID. That, that's incredible that we won't cut back 20% that we gained in COVID. If you can't win that debate, Glenn, I don't know why we send Republicans to Congress. I mean, if, 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 if you can't use a leverage point to have that very simple debate and bring it back and, and send that message to the bureaucracy, I mean, it, it's just unjustifiable. Unbelievable. Um, do you think they're going to stand and do it? I think right now we're in a really good place with conservatives uh, united to try to force this as a leverage point. Uh, you know, the establishment is powerful. They, they were, they're going to lose their minds. They're already starting to on all of the, the different uh, legacy media. And but this here's the, here's why I'm optimistic. This crew, this 20 and larger, and it's grown over the course of this year. And folks like Marjorie Taylor Greene are coming back into the team. This, this group held strong and had historic change that was, that was potential in January. They have that, ch- that chance now, and I think they're going to use it. I sense a, a great commitment in them. And the margins are such that they, we don't need all Republicans to stick right. together. We just right. need those 20. Thank you very much, Russell. I appreciate it. Russell Vogt, he is uh, from the Center for Renewing America and former director of the Office of Management and Budget. You can find him at his website, AmericaRenewing.com. AmericaRenewing.com. Back in a minute. The Glenn Beck Program. All of this money that we are spending right now, all of this money that we are sending, we, we are, we're about probably $30 billion away from spending the same amount inflation adjusted as we spent for the Marshall Plan, which rebuilt and fed all of Europe. That's what we're sending over to Ukraine. What are we getting for it? What exactly are we doing with it? Well, we found out now that we're paying people's salaries and bailing out their small businesses. This leads to amazing inflation, which you're feeling all the time. I want you to call Goldline now and find out if gold or silver is right for you. It is a way to protect against inflation. You you have to have an asset like land or gold or platinum or anything. You have to have an asset, not dollars. 
for every full ounce of, of fractional gold eagles purchased, you're going to receive a free one tenth ounce platinum St. Helena Trust Series coin. But you got to call them now, 866 Gold Line. Please protect yourself. 866 Gold Line. Call them now. Check out my show, Pack Ray Unleashed, every weekday from 7 to 9 Eastern, 6 to 8 Central, or anytime and anywhere you get your podcasts. So, Bob Menendez makes a claim of why he had almost $500,000 in cash at his home. Now, he's been accused uh, by the Southern District of uh, New York of accepting bribes from Egypt. Now, he had gold bullion. He had a Mercedes. Mm-hmm. And he had $480,000 uh, in cash. And when asked about it, this was his answer. Quote, for 30 years, I have withdrawn thousands of dollars in cash from my personal savings, which I have kept for emergency because of the history of my family facing confiscation in Cuba. <laughs> Now, this might seem old fashioned, but those were monies drawn from my personal savings account based on the income that I've lawfully derived over those 30 years. I look forward to addressing other issues at the trial. Hmm. Now, I think if I said that, well, especially, if, you know, I wasn't Cuban, but mm-hmm. I don't think anybody would believe that. Now, that could be true. Could be true. I highly doubt it, but it could be true. Yeah. But what else are you going to say? That's the only thing really he could say. Right? I I mean, unless he's selling facial cream on the side. You know, that's a possibility, too. You make a lot of money doing that. So he's <laughs> a Mary Kay girl? Yeah, he might be. Really? Yeah. A political review of congressional earmarks and political contributions found that addition to the money for homelessness and drug treatment, Adam Schiff steered steered millions of dollars for profit companies and raised tens of thousands for his house re-election campaigns from the same corporate executives and people connected to the earmarks. The review was mostly limited to publicly available data from the brief three-year window when corporate earmarks were disclosed. He said, I I, I don't have a complete accounting for everything, so I don't, uh, what? Several of Schiff's earmarks would be barred under reforms adopted in 2010. Among them, Schiff secured millions in funding for Smith's Detection and Phasebridge, Inc. Defense companies based in his district, he steered $6 million to Smith's Detection for military warfare sensors between 2003 and 2006. Earmarked another $3 million to Phasebridge that was developing a radar frequency distribution system for the Navy. Uh, so we've got corruption there. We have corruption with uh, with good old uh, Bob Menendez. We also have this. Now, this isn't corruption. This is just business. Michelle Obama just gave a one-hour speech at a tech fair in Munich. Now, she was given a check for speaking to a startup event held on the sidelines of the an- annual Oktoberfest beer festival. <laughs> now, I can't hmm. think of anything I want to hear more from than Michelle Obama 
at a German startup festival with the beer fest and the pretzels just outside of the tent door. I know I pay a lot of money for that. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, she normally uh, uh, charges $200,000 per speech. For for a one-hour speech. Yeah, one hour. Yeah. I mean, that's only $200,000 an hour. I can that's, see the inequality. The, right? You know what I mean? The, yeah. The inequity that is happening here. It's bad. Uh, her husband costs 400000 <laughs> See? Again. Uh, against women. Sexist. Yeah. So he gets $400,000 an hour to speak. She gets 200000 which <laughs> doesn't explain... Why she was paid for this Oktoberfest beer tent festival speech of $741,000. I mean, you've put his speech and her speech, their speaking fees together. Mm. It doesn't equal that. No, that's about three and a half times of what she normally charges. Now, that's strange, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Huh. Huh. Now, I'm just thinking to myself, I'm thinking self- is that what they learned from Clinton? Is there something maybe else going on there in Germany? Is hmm. big beer money behind it? I don't know. But that seems a little, maybe a little out of the norm. Yeah, kind of. Like yeah. when the people uh, who were putting on the festival called her and said, hey, uh, We'd like you to come speak. She said, well, yeah, okay, but it's going to cost you $200,000. No, we'd like to pay you 741000 Yeah, but that's in euros. Ah. It's in euros. So it's even more. Uh, no, it's 700000 what oh, they paid 700. her. And in euros, it's seven forty one. dollars So you got to adjust for the exchange, definitely. Sure. Definitely, definitely. Um, Now, some other news. Trump is up now five points over Biden in a new poll. Trump appears strong in the Republican primary. Fifty six percent of the party's rank and file backing his nomination. He leads over President Joe Biden. Should the pair face again uh, the White House in 2024? Trump has claimed the support of 46 of registered voters in the latest Messenger Harris X survey. Biden trailed with 41% support, while 13% said they weren't sure. Republican lead comes as 40% approve of Biden's job as president. 56% expressed a negative view of his time in office. Overall, 69% of respondents expressed a belief that the president ought not to run again. A further 56% said the same of Trump. Well, so that's good. So the majority of America don't want any of these guys. (laughs) They're like, I don't want to, I don't want to, may I just Mm. suggest that for the first time, somebody should run all the way to the end. Hmm. All the way to the convention? Yes. All the way, Hmm. you know, and not to thwart Trump or anything else. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have a secondary guy who has some votes out there, I don't know how you do it with the. With the way the nomination is set up, you have to have the number of votes. I, uh, how does that work? Does anybody know? Because he could go away at any time because they could get so crazy and just throw him in jail. And and then Trump's not a viable option. Correct. At all. Yeah. And then also Newsom could come in or somebody else. And what happens then? 
on the on the Democratic side. If you're running against Joe Biden, there's a chance. If you're running against Newsom, I mean, I, I, I can't imagine there's a chance, but I didn't think that Biden would win. I just think we should be running somebody all the way to the end. By the way, you can tell they're panicking because Russian uh, because Hillary Clinton just brought up the Russian election interference. She said, I just I'm just warning you. I'm just warning you. The Russians have proved themselves, I'm quoting, to be quite adept at interfering. And if Russian President Vladimir Putin has a chance, he'll do it again. I thought it was illegal now to question an election. Well, she's not just questioning. Huh. She's not. She's not questioning election. Here, no. she's questioning two elections: uh, the sixteen election <laughs> right. and the twenty-four. Yes, yes, but not so, the not the twenty twenty. Not election. the twenty twenty. No, she had no that question was on that one. They completely forgot. They were like, "Oh crap! It's election day in America." <laughs> Vlad, why didn't you tell us? So, Washington Post has come out and said there is no other candidate. It's going to be comical in Joe Biden if the Republican wins and they claim election fraud and that the election was fixed or tampered with by Russia. It's going to be funny. Isn't that going to be interesting? Yeah, yeah, it'll be really funny as they take. Because that's exactly what they'll do if it happens. I know. So let me ask you. um, Let me ask you something here, Pat. Um, They're now saying that there is no one else for America's future than Joe Biden. Because he's the only one, mm-hmm. you know, apparently that can beat Donald Trump. I, I don't, I don't understand the Washington, Washington Post, but uh, they're they're saying that uh, he's the most viable option. Here's what I can't understand. I can't understand. Well, I can't understand that, but I, but I also can't understand people on the other side. And I'd love to hear from you if this is what you believe. That things are fine with Joe Biden. That everything is good yeah. with Joe Biden. Yeah. Um, the economy's going well. The war situation is going well. Spending, I guess, is going well. Uh, you know, our inflation is under control. You know, gas, our plan for gasoline engines and everything else, that, that this all That's makes fine. you comfortable. Yeah. Because I can't believe that 45% of the American population are still saying, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine with Joe. I really are you with what what's happening at the border? Mm. This makes sense to you? Inflation, the border, uh, crime, the, the crime, the economy, uh, the War. situation with yeah Ukraine, mm-hmm. the handouts we're giving them that American taxpayers are paying for the salaries of fifty seven thousand first responders and their social security over there, their equivalent of it. All of that's okay. I guess you have to be, you, you just have to be trapped in that liberal bubble where just hear all the, you hear is their spin on all that. I keep hearing them say it's the end of the Republic if we don't win. Now, they would be saying that if it was Ron DeSantis. It's not a Trump thing. They'd be saying that about they would. anybody. Yeah. But I, I, I really don't understand how someone standing up for the Constitution because that's where I'm at. How am I a danger to the Republic by saying we should return to the plans of the Republic? We shouldn't be an empire. 
We, sh- we should be a constitutional republic, which we haven't been doing for a long time. How is that the end of the republic or democracy when you're saying we shouldn't have corruption on either side? We shouldn't have dictators on either side. We should use our heads on things. We should come back together as people on the Bill of Rights. I'm not asking you to come together with me on everything. I'm just saying just on the Bill of Rights. Mm -hmm. I don't understand how that's the crazy position. Well, it is because anybody who believes in the Constitution is crazy now. You know, you're a right-wing kook if you even bring it up. But I don't, again, I don't know how that works <laughs> in your head if you're a thinking amazing. human being. I'd like mm-hmm. to know how that works in your head. And if it does work for you, please call me, 888-727-BECK. I'm not going to try to change your mind. I just, I really want to understand that. How does that work, that mm-hmm. I'm the extremist? And all I want is a return to the constitutional norms that make sure that power doesn't get out of control. How is that extreme? Back in a minute. I want to tell you about a hero. 9-11 first responder, uh, Fire Department of New York Lieutenant Charles Mayello. He answered a call to help others on America's darkest day, 9-11. Ten years later, though, he suffered a fatal heart attack in the line of duty and he left behind a wife and child. This is where the Tunnel to Towers came in. When one of these guys lose their life, their spouse and their children are taken care of. And the first thing they do is they try to pay the mortgage on the family home. And that's what they did. That removes much of the financial burden uh, during that difficult, difficult time. Imagine having to bury a, a husband or a wife with children remaining. And you're worried, how am I going to afford the house? Where are we going to live? This is who Tunnel to Towers is. This is what they do. Be a part of it. America's heroes and their families need your help now more than ever. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good in their honor. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. That is astonishing. Donate $11 a month, will you, to T, the number 2 T.org. That's T2T.org. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. You know, we're just talking about how how is returning to the constitution or in this case returning to the budget that was pre-pandemic how is that the destruction of america remember prior to the pandemic gas was two dollars and 26 cents per gallon and we were energy independent for the very first time in my lifetime 2.77 percent mortgage rate 1.4 percent inflation Increasing real income, increasingly controlled southern border, strong economic uh, progress for the minorities. Vladimir Putin hadn't bothered Ukraine. The Taliban was being brought to heel. And we had peace accords in the Middle East. What part of that don't you want to go back to? What part of that? I mean, I, I don't I don't I don't I really don't understand it. 
Yeah, and they just said, the White House just said that, uh, was it was it KJP that was just asked about the economy and, you know, why his ratings are so low and why he can't get people to understand what he's done. And her response was, uh, the economy was flat on its back uh, when when Joe Biden took office, and now he's turned it around completely. It was flat on its what, back because we had everything closed. Yeah. Everything was closed for the first time in history. And by the way, they're now saying we can't have a government shutdown. I tell you what, just 15 days to slow the spread mm-hmm. of spending. That's what the Republicans <laughs> should be saying right now. Yeah. We're only going to we're only advocating 15 days to slow the spending of Washington. If we can close down the entire country and survive, I think we could close the government. Plus, it, 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 when was it that it happened last? Was that, has it been 10 years? It's been a while, but you remember the government shutdown? And really, the worst part of it was that they closed the national parks and you couldn't get in for a few days. I know. That, oh, that no. Hurt. That wow. Hurt. Was that I mean, meantime, they're trying to shut all of the national parks so people can't get in. Ever. How is that a problem? Yeah. How's that a problem for them? Remember this. 15 days to slow the spreading of spending. That's all we're asking for. We got, we're just going to shut it down for 15 days while we work this out. The Glenn Beck Program.